At Realmetrics, we collect and analyze a ton of slot data, and we're hit up frequently for insights, tips, and tricks. So we decided to do a webcast in which we present, discuss, and otherwise nerd out on our work. Coming to you from our offices in lovely Leiden, the Netherlands, welcome to Realcast. Good morning, Don. How are things today in Rome of the West? <laughs> Good morning, Nick. I'm fine, and that's a new one. Oh, you haven't heard that one? I have not. Okay, so it caught me a little off guard as well. So the story there is that um, when the St. Louis Diocese was established, and this is all the way back in 1826, it included uh, the state of Missouri, the western half of Illinois, and all American territory west of the Mississippi River and north of Louisiana. And it was the largest American diocese, equaling in extent all of the other nine American dioceses. And then in wow. 1847, uh, Pope Pius IX designated St. Louis an archdiocese, and due to its strong Catholic identity and its role as the mother diocese of so many other dioceses, it was nicknamed Rome of the West. Um, huh. Yeah, so also uh, one of the things you mentioned is the archdiocesan uh, cathedral there in uh, the, so the cathedral basilica of St. Louis. Do you know that, mm -hmm. that place? Yes. Okay, so among, among other things, it contains the largest collection of mosaics on earth. So I, yes, I have to, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm increasingly eager to spend some tourist time in St. Louis <laughs> to say after all of these uh, episodes here. So anyway, yeah, it uh, was, go ahead, Don. Sorry. I, re I remember uh, this probably is now it's over 20 years ago when um, Pope John Paul II actually visited St. Louis. Okay. Um, and, the Pope Mobile driving down the streets of St. Louis, and he actually held a mass at the football stadium. And uh, it was you know, sold out, like 80,000 people attending the mass. Okay, and wow. It was, a, it was, I want to say it was like 1999 or 2000. So it's it's probably 20 years ago, but it was um, it was a neat event. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just don't, I, I, I always, uh, I think it's just a natural bias. I just always assume that the, 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 uh, the, the Protestant churches were, were much stronger in the, in the Midwest, et cetera. But I was just absolutely uh, uh, astonished to, to read this stuff. Totally, totally interesting. But, okay, so we're uh, recording uh, on a national holiday here in Holland, King's Day. It's uh, William Alexander, uh, King William Alexander's birthday. So the whole country uh, shuts down so that people can dress in orange and get absolutely hammered. So it's a it's a big <laughs> boozy and gross affair. So I'm happy to be stuffed in a sound booth today. <laughs> um, and let's see, uh, we're we're mon one month out uh, since our last podcast, and there are a few things shaking. So we did uh, the IGA show in San Diego, which was lovely. I I did a little speaking gig there and spent several days catching up with industry folks and uh, checking out some new product views, et cetera. Uh, then did a bit of a, a whistle stop, big boy uh, tour across America, checking in with a, a few of our enterprise subscribers. Then uh, let's see, next week it's off to Mexico City to speak at uh, AGS's Game on Mexico. 
Then I'll do uh, AGS's Game On uh, event in Reno in June. Then Ravings uh, Casino and Technology uh, and Marketing Conference in Reno in July. Then a bit of a repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's back to the Silver State for G2E. So <laughs> lots of travel coming up wow. and, uh, and really looking forward uh, to all these events. And incidentally, while I'm on it, if if you're in casino ops and have the opportunity to attend one of these uh, AGS Game On events, I, I honestly cannot recommend it strongly enough. I, I've been going to industry events for 30 years and I've yet to attend uh, any customer event that comes even remotely close to it. So, uh, it's it's just incredibly well conceived and, and executed. The, the speakers are great. The events are, are genuinely fun. And the interaction with other attendees is, is just off the charts. Uh, uh, uniquely, uh, AGS forbids its staff from selling during during those events, so all that pressure is just gone, and you can you know stay focused, absorb everything that's being presented, and uh, and discuss it often often in incredible depth uh, uh, with uh, various attendees. So again, I uh, can't recommend those events strongly enough, uh, and uh, thanks to to AGS uh, for including us in that. We're we're really honored to support these events, and and really looking forward to them. So. Um, uh, then Don, here we are, we have our, uh, third episode of the, the second, uh, season, and today we'll be tackling the topic of jackpot liabilities, which was a topic that was recommended, uh, to us by a listener. Uh, and as a reminder to everyone, we'd, we'd love to tackle any questions that anybody have. So if you have a question about uh, what we're presenting or something you'd like us to present, please drop us an email at realcast at realmetrics.com. Again, that's R-E-E-L-C-A-S-T at realmetrics.com. Our policy is to keep all questions anonymous. So please speak directly and don't worry about us revealing your identity. We don't do that. Now, as a refresher uh, to listeners, we received an email a couple of months back from a biz dev executive on the supply side. And he explained that um, increasingly operators are pushing back against high DNOM links uh, due to the sizable jackpot liabilities. And as you know, Don, some of these links require, you know, a six-digit jackpot seed, some even higher. And that combined with the uh, progressive values is apparently giving some some operators uh, the jitters. So we, uh, so excuse me, this uh, this gent asked us if we'd mind tackling uh, this topic during a podcast. We said yes. And then incidentally, while we were at NIGA, uh, Tim and I had two other vendors approach us on the same topic. So it appears that um, it appears that this is a bit of a thing. So for our example. Um, Don's going to discuss them generally, and then we're going to use a specific uh, um, uh, example of Dragon Cash uh, from Aristocrat, which was nice enough to provide us with some of the uh, mathematical collateral uh, that Don used in, in preparing his uh, remarks. So a big shout out to the folks at Aristocrat uh, who helped us out there. Uh, you know precisely who you are. Uh, so Don, I think the best place to, to start on this perhaps is, uh, just, just up front is to address the, the accounting treatment a bit. Um, so we wanted to see if there was much variability out there in terms of how operators are, are treating, uh, jackpot liabilities from an accounting perspective. Uh, we looked at, uh, the filings of, of, a, a number of public operators saw that they were all working similarly. Uh, then we went to look at the various U.S. GAAP rules uh, covering jackpot treatment. And on that front, 
likely the best thing I, I located was a 2011 accounting standards update uh, that was issued by the SEC together with um, the uh, Financial Accounting Standards Board, FASB, and the uh, Government Accounting Standards Board, GASB. And the update states, um, most entities accrue liabilities for a base jackpot rateably over the period of play expected to precede a payout. An entity should not accrue jackpot liabilities or portions thereof before a jackpot is won if the entity can avoid paying that jackpot. Um, it continues, jackpots should be accrued and charged to revenue when an entity has the obligation to pay the jackpot. And this guidance applies to both base and progressive jackpots. So in, in, layman in layman's terms, my, my interpretation of this um, is if we have something like, let's say, a $30,000 seed and an expected uh, hit period of, of three months, you'd accrue that uh, liability rateably at 10K per month plus the progressive increment over three months, then, then book once paid out. So Don, does that gel with how, uh, how you know this uh, treated uh, in accounting? I've seen it both ways. I've okay. Most of the casinos will also just track the increase in liability mm -hmm. on a calendar month period. So where you're tracking the progressives on the first day of the, each month and then doing a, a hit against revenue for how much that progressive jackpot increased during the month. So if it started at 10 and ended at 15, you're booking a $5,000 liability to your revenue. Gotcha. And so when it does hit and it goes from 15 back to 10, you get that $5,000 back. Okay, cool. Um, and then on that, that one condition that was in there, this, if the entity can avoid paying the jackpot was a, a bit of a conversation internally. You know, we, um, what are some examples of why you wouldn't pay but uh, we largely ended up snake eyes on that one. So malfunctions, game removals, underage gamblers, barred players, pretty much every scenario uh, that we discuss is dealt with either via internal controls or, or jurisdictional regulations and has you ultimately paying out that money in one form or another. So we, we concluded that we could largely skip that exception uh, and, and simply assume that, that everyone is accruing roughly the same way. And, and, uh, Don, with that, I'm going to shut my trap and, and let you, uh, let you address this now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Well, you really have to know your liabilities and your top awards. And I highly suggest a review of every machine on your floor, looking at maximum awards. They really need to be looked at they, some, in some cases, they need to be adjusted, especially the smaller the casino, the more impactful it's going to be. Your biggest troubles are always going to be in video poker, especially the games with the multiplier, such as Ultimate X. But there are ways to mitigate your exposure. Look at how many hands are available at the higher denominations. For instance, you know, don't have the $5 denomination at 10 play. You know, limit the dollar to triple play or five hands. Those are things that you can do to limit that top award. But it all really depends on your customers. Do you have a lot of demand for your high limit poker? You really need to consult with your action gaming reps. They are some of the best in the business. Reach out to them and they'll take the time to answer your questions and help you want to set up hold percentages and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, off topic for a second, if you have video poker on your floor, 
contact your action gaming rep, talk about new cabinet performance, new games, optimal setups. It's often a neglected segment of your floor and it can really boost your profits and your customer satisfaction if done right. Yeah. I was lucky enough to work with Mike Drummond and he's really sharp. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with Shannon Bloom this past year and I have friends that swear by her. Use those resources. Yeah. Now, back to the topic. No, wait, one more thing. Uh, you can steal customer trips from your competition if you have the right floor mix. Doubly so on video poker. It's what I play. I have my favorite game, and if it's not at your casino, I won't play. In Vegas, I'll walk across the street from where I stay to play my favorite game, and it's the same in the local markets here. I had Tim Wilmot once tell me in a budget review on lease costs that having the best lease games on your floor can be considered a marketing effort and an expense because if your customers are wanting to play, say, split card poker and you don't have it and your competition does, they will visit your competition. Now we can segue back to the topic for today and let's substitute Dragon Cash for split card poker. Mm-hmm. Only about half of the casinos that I visited have Dragon Cash on their floor or have Dragon Lincoln High Limit. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, it's it's what you said earlier, Nick. It's about a fear of having these large jackpots hit. Yeah, because the Which performance performance values are are always extremely robust on these uh, products. Yeah, the, the, the players have really transitioned to higher average bet games, mm-hmm. and I am seeing it more and more in high limit. The twenty five cent video games the 10 cent video games that are getting average bets of $8 to $10 a spin have really taken off in the yeah. last couple of years. And I understand the fear, you know, $50,000 hits, $100,000 hits are rough for casinos, especially for the ones that do you know, less than $10 million a month in revenue. Yeah. You know, if you do $200,000 a day in revenue and there's a hundred thousand dollar hit, you're going to get some grief. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been there. <laughs> uh, even the good ma- natured ribbing can kind of make you gun shy. Yeah. And, you know, so you need to be aware. So I guess tip number one to any of the GMs or AGMs or VPs, CFOs out there listening, don't sweat the volatility. Yeah. The players want these large jackpots. They will chase these large jackpots. You will get deeper into their wallet as these customers will chase. And when they hit, you will have a bad day. Yeah. But the other hundred days that they don't hit are going to be great. Yeah. You know, you really need to have that discussion with your slot team about whole percentage volatility and come to an understanding about exposure and make sure your executive team is on board. Whole percentages shouldn't be looked at on a a daily basis. They have to be looked at on a longer term basis. Yeah. Sometimes not even a month. You, You have to look at these months after months. I used to do a 180-day review. You did a 30-day review, a 180-day review, a 365-day review. And those are where you look for your trends. When you get down to single spins and 10,000 spins, the volatility is really extreme. But once you start pushing that 100,000 million spins, things start to level out. Yep. Um, So... You know, you will have months that you underhold and you will have a lot of months that you overhold. If you don't, you probably need to contact me or someone to look at your floor. Um, I actually did that recently for one of our clients. They had a problem where they were underholding every month. 
So they asked me to review it. I reviewed it and I found what the problem was. And there was a problem on their floor. So every once in a while, you'll see something. But most casinos, you're going to have months where you overhold and underhold. But when you look at it on a annual basis, you should be fine. Okay. So, you know, if you make your slot team tentative, you will limit your profitability. Just think of what happens if you limit your maximum bet to, say, $2 on every one of your machines. Yep. You're going to cap your performance. So would you trade a $50,000 jackpot one day for $3,000 a day for 100 days? If you would say no, um, give me the space. Yeah. I'll put <laughs> two or four Dragon Cash units in high limit. I'll guarantee you $100 a day for the space, and I'll take all the risk myself. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick, if anyone takes me up on that offer, it was nice working with you. Yeah, and exactly. I, 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 I made a few of the same types of challenges throughout my career. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so you're gonna, it's, <laughs> you're really gonna have those spikes, but the the trip there is gonna be more than worth it. Yeah. So, Dragon Cash is a great example of how to manage your exposure. You have options to set your grand award at different levels and your denominations at different levels. You can set it up at five cents. As a base denomination, you can set up a 10 cents, which is the one I recommend. And you can have a grand award at $25 or $50,000, yep. which takes months to hit at most casinos. And the bonus is the jackpot is already baked into the RTP and it's just under 1%. Yeah. So it's basically going to overhold every month before it hits. And the month it hits, it's going to underhold. Yep. But when you look at that six-month hold or 12-month hold, it's going to be very close to par. So, and I, I remember yeah, Don, looked, you, had, you had said that you had you had looked at a lot of uh, of uh, Dragon Cash terminals, just looking at it on a, a day by day basis. And I, I think you had you had mentioned something like, in just a very rare case, you were seeing uh, those games underwater. It, are you going to address that later? Or am I jumping forward? No, you're fine. It's um, I've looked at over 500 months worth of data on Dragon Cash. Mm -hmm. Uh, 544 months worth of data to be exact and dragon cash booked a whopping loss 11 times. Okay. So 2% so of the time five, or 544 months, you don't mean linearly. No, it's okay. um, a, a total number of months for the, you know, a, a unit each month is one. Okay. Gotcha. So I looked yeah. at, right. so I looked at results over the last say six, seven months. And I looked at 500 different units that we're tracking and okay. out of 544 calendar months of performance, the game lost 11 times. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. 2% of the units lose on a monthly basis. Yeah. And in each case, uh, the casino that had the losing dragon cash had multiple dragon cash machines and none of the properties booked a net loser for the game theme for the month. Okay. The other units on the floor were positive and made up for the loss. So let's say, let me do a quick calculation. I'm looking at, I'm looking at over a hundred million dollars in coin in on Dragon Cash for March. Mm -hmm. Theoretical hold was 9.1%. Actual hold was 9.8. Okay. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that equates to a normal dra Dragon Cash overholding by say three or $4,000 each month until the jackpot hits. So that's a heck of a trade-off for a game that does at least $2,000 a day on your floor. Yeah. And a lot of cases is doing north of $3,000 a day 
we've got properties that are doing seven thousand dollars a day on drive many over five (laughs) yeah yeah our average is well over three thousand dollars a day and we we know that there are some casinos that probably don't have the clientele that would bet ten dollars a spin or Mm -hmm. eight fifty a spin but if you look at your high limit video and you've got say Ainsworth games at quarters or dollars that are have an average bet of north of seven dollars a spin. Um, if you've got some of the classic aristocrat games, it's in quarters um, or IGTs. There's a lot of IGT stuff that works in high limit. There's some of the stuff from Light and Wonders doing really well at high limit. If you've got that clientele that's willing to play it and you're getting good win per units out of it you probably need to try dragon cash as well. Yeah. And there's a couple other things that I, I really, really recommend for high limit video. Um, some of them play really well. I, it's amazing to go on YouTube and look at some of the slot influencers and what they're playing in high limit video, mm-hmm. what their average bets are. And I think it's really impacting how people play. I'm starting to see, especially for the younger players, higher average bets, yep. shorter session times, but they are really pounding these machines, chasing these jackpots. And I have to say some of it is probably influenced by these slot videos that I've been watching. I've watched a ton of them lately. I didn't know who Brian Christopher was eight months ago. <laughs> um, I, I, I wasn't very, much of a very nice guy, caller. by the way, <laughs> I have to say. Oh my gosh, his videos are great. Yeah. And I, I stumbled on one of his videos looking at, um, I was looking for, um, I think I was trying to figure out what cabinet a game was on. So doing all the internet research and I stumbled across, across a video of him playing one of the games. So I looked at the cabinet and I started watching him play. And then it started leading me to these other videos that are out there. And there are so many people posting these videos and their average bets are. $50 a spin, yeah. $250 a spin. You know, they're pooling money from their their groups or they're playing it all themselves. And it's really starting to impact how people play these games. Um, you know, traditionally you go back before say Lightning Link, mm-hmm. there wasn't that opportunity to really play more than $10 a spin. Right. Um, I had 25 cent video games but those were mostly 45 coin. So that was probably as high as I went. Um, you had the $9 games from Ainsworth, but there was no way you could bet $250 a spin. Yeah. But, but now that's all out there. So to me, the, the moral of the story is be afraid, but only be afraid when it's warranted. Yeah. I, I limit my chances of being struck by lightning by not swinging a nine iron in a thunderstorm, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. So I, I, I limit my exposure of a jackpot that I can't overcome for a year by limiting the potential on games that do say $200 a day to $500 a day. Yeah. You know, a, a $75,000 hit on a $25 slot machine that does 250 a day is more of a threat than that $50,000 hit on a game that does $3,000 a day. Right. It's just right. Simple math. So I'm reminded of, I had a um, $25 machine at my casino that hit the top award, 75 grand. 
three times in three weeks to my best customer. Oof. Okay. And yeah. And so, you know, that, that makes you start questioning everything you know about math and yeah. And, you know, but then the top award didn't hit again for two years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. Slot math was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it'll drive you crazy sometimes, but I'm more worried about those types of hits and high limit because I know they're not getting the coin in. I'm not worried about as much of the liability on the dragon caches, the dragon links and high limit, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and you can really set it up to where there's max bets of 250 bucks, or you can set it up where there's max bets a lot lower. Yep. Um, and what we're really starting to see, Nick, we did that study a while back on what the um, sportsbook players are playing. Yeah. And it was a, a fascinating study and one of the favorite ones that we've done in the last six months. And the number one game is Dragon Cash. Yeah. And it, it really surprised me. I had no clue it, that a high limit video slot was the number one game for sportsbook players. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's as we had uh, discussed last time. I think all the basically all the insights that you generated out of that study, everything that that I saw was counterintuitive. There was there was not one thing in there where I said, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." It was absolutely the opposite of what I had expected <laughs> with those younger players. I have to say. Yeah, I, I made some predictions going into that study about percentage of wallet that they would spend on tables versus slots, and I had it totally mixed. I, yeah. I thought for sure it'd be 80% tables and 20% slots yep. and it's not. And we had it confirmed by the chief marketing officer of one of our clients and say, yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. They are playing slot machines, both the men and the women. And it was really interesting to look at which themes that they're playing mm-hmm. and which themes that they're not. And these people are chasing jackpots they're playing Dragon Cash, they're playing Lightning Link, they're playing Ultimate Fire Link, they're playing very high volatility slot machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weird thing was they were staying away from electronic table games. Yeah, They were staying away from physical reels and they were really staying away from video poker too, which kind of makes sense. Video poker is more of a, a game that you play after you've been going to the casino for years. Mm-hmm. Um, then walking right in and a lot of these customers are going to the casinos for the first times, the sportsbook players, the under 45s, but dragon cash is right at the top of the list and the average bets, especially for the, that there's a little bit of a difference between the 25 and 34 year olds and the 35 to 44 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of makes sense. The people under the age of 35 just don't have the wallets that the people between 35 and 45 do and their average bets, their session times are three times um, the volume of the under 35s, but they like these volatile games. Yeah. And now, and now we're starting to see casinos add dragon cash with a million dollar grand jackpot. Um, Yeah. Some of those, some of those seed values are, are, are nuts. What, you know, we saw that, that high roller room, um, our high limit room at the win Las Vegas. And those were some bonkers values on those, uh, on those machines. Do you, do you know what they had that, how they had that set up? 
No, no, I remember walking into that beautiful room. Boy, that's a that's a it's nice a room. room. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, they've done a, that's a wonderful property. Anybody who wants to um, study floor layout and how to design a casino without walls, without the use of walls for slot machines, walk win Las Vegas. Yeah. They've done an amazing job. It's true. Um, but it, when we walked into that high limit room beyond the decor, which was just stunning. Um, the machines that were getting played were the high limit dragon link and dragon cash games. Yeah. But I know that I think the, we were looking in the, it was like a $25,000 mini. I want to say it was 125,000 for the one 25 for the other. Okay. Those are the ones that I remember <laughs> and they were getting played. I mean, yeah, they were yeah. getting played hard. Yeah. And you remember who, and I can still remember who was playing it. It was men under the age of 45. Yeah. <laughs> I remember is, you mentioned that afterward. I, I hadn't really uh, taken note of that, but I remember you said that to me. I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing was happening when, uh, when I walked through a couple other casinos, when we walked through um, resorts. Um, heck, even when I walked through um, the Flamingo, and they're, they've got a, a high limit room that's probably got um, 30 machines in it. You couldn't get on the dragon cash because it was young men that were playing those games. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It, it's something that I, since I've done that study, I look at every time when we're, you know, traveling the States or if I'm in my local casinos, I, I'm just really curious as to who's playing these high limit games and what their average bets are. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's just been fascinating to watch. Um, you know, I'm not privy to those actual win numbers for those casinos that have that dragon cash with a million dollar grand. Yeah. But these casinos are some of the best run casinos in the world. Mm -hmm. And they've had these for years. And I don't think they'd still have them if they weren't performing at a high level. Yeah. Um, and I just heard yesterday that another casino out West is adding that million dollar jackpot on the dragon cash. So you're starting to see these people chase these large jackpots, just like you chase the Powerball or the Mega Millions lotteries. And the win per unit per day is supporting it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a hit when it hits. And I know there was, um, I read the story, it's probably over a year ago now, that um, the same lady hit two of them down in Florida. Yeah. And, you know, a million dollar, a million two jackpots. But, um, you know, it's... If they perform, why not? Yeah, and when we look at the when we look at the mathematical mathematical modeling of the the game, we saw. I mean, it's absolutely you know is is entirely safe uh, as as you would uh, expect. So, Don, can you really think of uh, maybe just the way to to turn this around is what would be some what would be some reasons that you wouldn't put it out there? What 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 are some thoughts that you have on that? I think the smaller the casino. The more you have to be wary of it, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's both at on the Dragon Cash level and on the like the Ultimate X, Ultimate X Bonus Streak, some of your high limit games. If mm -hmm. you just don't get the coin in, or if you just don't have the customers to support games that have a, an average bet say north of seven dollars a spin. Mm -hmm. If you're doing, if you've got a casino that's small, that's you know. Doing $2 million a month or less in revenue, $3 million a month or less, you'd really have to know your customers. Yeah. If you've got enough customers to support it, great. But if you've only got one or two, it's probably going to be tough to overcome it. But looking at 
the win per units. And we've got some casinos that are clients that have, you know, revenues of less than $5 million a month. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at what is the smallest one I see theoretical. I am still seeing the lowest I see out there is 22, $23,000 a month Mm -hmm. on theoretical. And those are the outliers. Um, Let me sort this a different way. Get rid of all the partial month stuff. Full month last month, the the smallest one we had was 42,000. I think about there's a 29,500. Okay. So you're looking at a thousand dollars a day for some of the smaller casinos that we have as, as clients. So that's not bad, even for a small casino to have a game that you're probably looking at a floor average of 150, 175. And these games are doing five times house. Yeah. 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 So yeah. If, yeah, and for and for those casinos, you really have to make sure that I would really start those jackpots at twenty five grand. Okay. Because um, you know, at, even at a thousand dollars a day, if it hits once a month, you're going to break even. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and these things don't hit once a month, especially for a small coin in. You know, the coin in. Let me go back to that line. That you coin in for these casinos that are doing twenty nine. You're looking at. Well, coin there must be a ten percent hold because the coin in is two hundred ninety-five thousand. Yeah. So you're looking at um, so three hundred thousand dollar coin in. That jackpot's not going to hit for two, three years. Yeah. So it's going to be a while. A lot of those jackpots now are have a lot of coin in input before they hit, and you're looking at you know fifteen million dollars worth of coin in before on the average before these things hit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, it takes a while, even for your best casinos that are doing, you know, a million and a half, $2 million in coin in, it's going to, you know, these things don't hit every month. Yeah. And then Don, once they're, <clears throat> once they're installed and set, are, are set up and installed and, and whatnot, then do you use your same guidance then on those, like trying to maintain an occupancy around 65% and that, that kind of stuff. Is that, that the way you look at that? For the Dragon Cash, I always thought it was a, a little bit lower. Um, I was comfortable in that 30% range. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, just just because you want to have these games available to your best customers. Yeah. And how frustrating would that be to your best customers to come in and they can't play a game or they want to stick two or $3,000 in the game before they even start spinning? Right. And so I would say anything north of 30%, you really need to look at it and saying you don't have enough of them. Yeah. So, and I'm starting to see some densities out there. The densities are definitely growing. This is a growing game Mm -hmm. and it's got momentum. Um, There's a couple games like that that I'm really keeping an eye on. And most of these games are in that 20 to 35% range. So yeah. we're seeing handle pulls north of a hundred thousand, 150,000 on these games. And which is really amazing. So I'd have to, that'd be something I'll have to look at Nick is where do dragon cash at a $10 average bet rank as far as handle pulls versus the rest of your floor yeah. with an average bet of a dollar. Right. And, yep. you know, just looking at some of these handle pulls of, I mean, we got handle pulls of 200,000 in a month. 
So you're looking at 7,000 pulls per day. That's incredible. Yeah, without question. And, and I know, um, Don, on this, so I think uh, just just generally, I know I've heard you say a, a, a couple of times that on that uh, specific link, the, the Dragon Cash link, I know I've heard you say a couple of times that there just aren't enough of them out there uh, at this point. Is that, is that you, you still feel that way? Absolutely. Okay. We, <laughs> we did some studies on a couple of properties recently where they're Dragon cash density on our dragon link densities on weekdays was pushing a hundred percent. There's a, there's no need for that. You are just costing yourself money because the people who are pounding these games are your best customers. And same thing with Buffalo link. You're seeing average bets north of $3 a spin mm-hmm. and people can't get on them. Um, people, your guests will expand their wallets if you give them the option to. Yeah. And if they play their favorite games, they will bet more. We've every study that we've done has supported this for the last two years that you need to make sure that you have your customers favorite games because when they play their favorite games, they bet more and they yeah. play longer. Yeah. The session times are just incredible. Yeah, I know. I've seen so, some of these that are well over an hour. Yeah, it was it's north of 20 percent of the sessions on Dragon Link's are over an hour before they get off the seat. Good Lord. And you know, you're talking about an average session time of eight or nine minutes for a a normal slot machine. And you know, you know, one out of your five trips is an hour in length before they get up. And I haven't seen anything that points to that they're doing anything but playing and chasing the jackpots and chasing that major. Most of them don't even chase the grand. Uh, it's nice when that grand gets, you know, tapped out at, you know, the 18, 888, mm-hmm. but most of the time they are chasing that eight hundred, $900,000 major and they will sit there and play. It's a great game. The, the designers of Dragon Link and Buffalo Link and Lightning Link did a wonderful job and they really do attract the host level players. So yeah, they're very few. Cause if your casino has a density above 65%, you really need to look hard at, and this is for a monthly average, you really need to look hard at expanding because I know that your weekends, those games are packed. And unless you have zero host level play on the weekends, then they all come on the weekdays, you are costing yourself money. Yeah, yeah. And Dom, um, one thing I wanted to ask is you had, you had mentioned earlier that your your favorite, uh, that that the setting you always recommend on uh, Dragon Cash is a, is a 10 cent denom. Is that what you said earlier? It is. It's it's the one that seems to do really well. Um, there are more and more Dragon Cash settings at a higher limit, mm-hmm. um, but they started off at five cents. But the ten cent did really well. But I'm starting to see games out there with a dollar as your base denom, yeah, um, and twenty five dollars as your max, and that's those two hundred fifty dollar max bets. Yeah. Um, but there's also a $2,500 max bet setting out there. Yep. And so you really got to have some high rollers that'll do that, but it's happening. Um, but I, I, I like the, the 10 cent one for most casinos, but if you've got a high volume, high net worth, high limit room, you can start looking at some of these dragon links for high limit or dragon caches and stick them at a dollar base denom. Um, you're looking at some really nice average bets and 
a lot of them, like I said, are $250 max bets now. Um, but the math models are pretty much the same as I look at them. Um, incrementation rates are about the same. You're looking at about a 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, hit frequencies and the bonus rounds are about the same. They're pretty much standard for all the video games now. You're looking at somewhere between 120 spins to get the bonus round to 140. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything I'm seeing. Um, you've, obviously, you've got some high-level jackpots when you have these games, when you're starting at a dollar for a base DNOM. Um, but uh, the math looks really good. So, yeah, there was certainly nothing, nothing that I saw in there that, that gave me any jitters uh, uh, whatsoever. So, Yeah, you can set those grands at 50,000 or 100,000. And you're looking at, um, you know, decent hit frequencies and the jackpots when they hit aren't that bad. You're looking at, um, you know, stuff over 10 million pulls and 100 million pulls that that look really reasonable. So that's the great things about um, these games. And I don't know how many par sheets that I've read in my life, but it's well over a thousand. And get the par sheets. Look yep. at the math. Talk talk to your reps about this type of stuff. And it's 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 the same for the light and wonder games. There's some really neat light and wonder stuff out there in high limit. Um, the aristocrat stuff gets a lot of attention because of the the great success that Dragon Cash and Dragon Link has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, we're really seeing some really neat stuff. Heck, I'm even seeing some really good stuff out of Prosperity Link from IGT. Mm-hmm. So there's some good product out there that everyone needs to have on the floor. Um, we, we were looking at one of the properties the other day. They asked me to pick their next 60 games that they needed to buy. So I looked at everything from conversions to uh, where they're going to spend their capital. And I looked at their lease games and I realized they didn't have Buffalo link on their floor. Yeah. Why? You know, <laughs> so you really need to be spending your, your lease game budget wisely and there's so many games out there that are doing three times house average that you really shouldn't have any games that are doing less than one and a half or two times house average you've really got to spend that money wisely and have the cream of the crop yeah and there's a lot of good choices out there right now and you really need to expand going back to your original question nick it's a long way to get there but most casinos can afford to have three or more banks of dragon links um, it's just, it's what the players want. And yeah. that's what we've been talking about for the last year is giving the players what they want. They will come back to your casino. Like when I started this, we were talking about split card poker. It's my favorite game, but good luck finding those yeah. or big split <laughs> poker. Right. So there's even in a locals market, I know where those, those games are. And when I want to play, I know which casinos to go to. Um, you know, I'll walk the floors at the other one, see what's up. I enjoy walking slot floors. And, but while I'm there, I also look to see if they have my favorite games. And um, it's the same thing in Vegas. I know exactly which ones, which casinos have my favorite games. And that's where I spend my money. Sure. Yeah. Why well, go someplace where you uh, just get uh, confronted with a bunch of junk that you have no interest in. So <laughs> I think we've been, now we're sounding like a broken record on that one though. <laughs> so I know. But it, yeah. but it, it, it's 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 such an important point. It's, it is, you know, no, no question. People about it. spend the most money where they enjoy playing. Yeah, and you know, I I enjoyed the life of luxuries and the old BB2s as much as anybody else, but um, I've kind of moved on from that. Yeah, and you know, and 
I enjoy the volatility. I, I, I still play. I was one that always put a $20 bill into every slot machine before I bought it. I was lucky enough that um, I could do that, especially being in a jurisdiction that was always um, just a little bit um, slower on approvals. So then I'd go to Tunica or I'd go to Vegas frequently enough that I get to play everything before it came out yeah. or play in the showrooms. So it, it does make a difference. Okay. So I think, I, oh, go ahead, Don. Sorry. I was going to say, have I talked long enough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, what I wanted to say is I think the uh, what what it sounds like generally then on these uh, on these products with these uh, jackpot liabilities is, you know, I think just just with the a possible exception of, you know, real edge cases where I think you said something like, you know, your casino is doing less than two million in slot revenue per month or. Yeah. Or if you think that you, or if you know, you just don't have the players who are who are going to pay at, play at those uh, higher average bets. Short of that, you know, you're golden. I think is the, you know, we 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 get this, we get jitters on things like this uh, uh, quite often, but it, it's very rare that we advise somebody, you know, against uh, taking on something like this. And I, I I think that's probably your where where you land on this as well, Don. Is it not? Absolutely. I'd be more afraid of putting in a hundred dollar slot machine with, uh, you know, a high top award than I would be of putting dragon cash on. Yeah. And with some of these products and the, the performance we're, we're seeing out of them, I, I would say I'd be more afraid to not have them than, than have them, you know, because <laughs> you, you yeah. really do want that play. And as we've seen, you know, players, big players do come in looking for those products specifically. That's, that's really what they're after. They want to get them and hit them hard. And, and yeah, I'd be a little bit more concerned about not having them present really. Absolutely. And you don't have to limit it to the high limit room anymore either. You can put these on the floor um, <laughs> and they work really well out on the floor. There's more and more casinos that are denoming up their yep. video yep. and making sections where the smallest denomination for a video is going to be five cent or ten cent, uh, including the the new cabinets. Yeah. So yeah, don't be afraid to put these out on the floor. There are there's a clientele that will not walk in the high limit room. Absolutely. But if if you put these games on the floor, you're going to open it up to more people that will trial and take a shot. Heck, I remember back when I first started counting cards, uh, when I was done playing for the day. I'd always walk by the roulette table on my way out the door and put $100 on my favorite number. And I knew it was a perverse savings account. You know, I probably once every, you know, 40 times it would hit. But once it did, I'd get my 3500 back. <laughs> and, and there are people who will do the same thing with these games on your casino floor. They'll put 100 or 200 bucks in there and they'll take their chance at 750 a spin for their 30 or 40 spins, whatever it is, and take their shot yeah. of getting a bonus round and hitting something good. So don't just limit these to the high limit room. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a excellent piece of advice. And and like you, Don, I'm seeing them uh, uh, spread around the floors uh, more and more and generally rammed. <laughs> that's that's what I uh, yeah. am, am uh, uh, finding. Okay, cool. Well, I think um, um, I think by and large we've probably uh, drained the drained the topic. And I think you know the the kind of bottom line on it is. Um, yeah, uh, without uh, you know, short of those just very rare exceptions that we talked about, you know, very small uh, uh, slot uh, uh, operations, 
uh, or just, you know, not having the, the players carry short of that, we think you're just absolutely uh, uh, safe as can be to, to take these things uh, on. So, okay. Um, absolutely. Yep. And, and then uh, I was going to say that, go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead, Don, please. I was going to say that I, thanks to all the people who have reached out with all the kind words about the podcast, it, there's not a week that goes by where I don't get a note from somebody I've worked with in the past. I had one of my old slot performance managers say these podcasts remind him of me and him sitting at my desk just talking about slot theory and practice and um, how much fun that is. Cause this is a fun part of the job is you know, trying to figure all this stuff out. So if there's any topics that you want us to cover, please let us know. Um, we can go in so many different directions and we're really enjoying this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I want to echo that as well. It's I, We've had a lot of people say a lot of nice things and and I we, we really do appreciate it. As I had mentioned previously, you know, we do this uh, uh, for no money and, and generally on days off and whatever. So it's it, it we really do love it to to hear that uh, constructive feedback really makes it all worthwhile for us. So uh, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, we need to put some advertising or something on this. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So this is a, yeah, anybody who wants to send us money. <laughs> Monster, Gold yeah. Peak Tea, whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Okay, so uh, you know, before we go, uh, I, I did um, uh, want to make a, a couple of uh, announcements. So I guess it wouldn't be a real cast if I didn't plug something. So uh, as mentioned, I'm going to be speaking at uh, AGS's Game On events in Mexico City on May 4th and in Reno. Uh, from the 13th of June to the 15th of June. And after that, uh, I'll be speaking and we'll be doing a, a little booth at uh, Raven Consulting's Casino Technology and Marketing Conference at uh, Grand Sierra in Reno from July 17th uh, through the 19th. So if you have some travel budget that's burning a hole in your pocket, we'd love to see you at, at any or, or all of those events. And then uh, lastly, I did want to mention that uh, we're now making transcripts of these podcasts available. So if you'd like to grab them, head on over to realmetrics.com slash realcast and uh, get your transcripts on, I guess is the thing to say. So, and I think uh, with that, Don, I think we've, uh, we, it, we're at the point where we can wrap it. Awesome. Always fun, Nick. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. You too, Don. Thanks. And you have a, a great rest of your day there. You too. Okay. Okay.